What's up, and welcome back to anybody and everybody. I'm your host, Herm, and I am really excited for this episode, actually. This is this is someone that I go way back with now, podcasting for a hot minute, formally referred to as Internate. He is the man. He is he's truly a beauty. He's something else. He's a gentle giant, as they say, someone who which is rare for me is taller than me. And he's a funny guy, really hilarious. We we get into everything in this episode. We really do. There's a lot of conversation and it's all lively. So you're going to want to stay tuned for the whole thing because at the end we get into a pretty deep conversation that you're really going to want to know about. But without further ado, here he is, Nate Selden. Oh, dude, I have not seen you uh virtually or in person in a hot minute now how how's everything going uh give us a life update do you have any lovers in your life uh anything big anything new to announce that's right uh i'm nate i'll just say that put my name out there um, i know your name i just introduced you on like the intro oh, oh i didn't know that okay. yeah, yeah yeah so what how this works actually this is a good behind the scenes for everybody yeah it's good to know um so what happens is i interview someone right like uh, like yourself and then I go back in after and I record the intro and the outro. So I'll do like the what's up and welcome back to anybody and everybody thing. And then I will add the music in between and then I'll go into the interview and then I record the outro. And usually the outro is pretty like politically motivated. Um, something like I really hate Donald Trump or like we really need something like this week's outro. Just to give the people a hint is going to be talking about uh, fascism and like the Nazis, because it's really throwing me through a loop. This like the, um, what do they call it? Like the MAGA million March MAGA, whatever. Oh, this thing that happened a couple of days ago. Yeah. The thing in DC where like, they thought like millions of Trump supporters. It was like 20,000, like right? 20,000 people. Yeah. Like every single person was like white straight and kind of looked the same because well, fact of the matter is that's his, that's his demographic. It's all white straight people. Like it's, it's so sad and scary, but like, it's like the thing that like the Nazis were built on. So that's what I'm going to talk. It's scary, dude. I'm going to be totally real and upfront. Like I, I see way too many like propaganda tendencies in the things that he says with the things that were being spewed during world war two to like be comfortable at all. And it's, it's terrifying as a, as a Jewish man myself. Well. That's very true. But I've been doing well. We, it has been a long time. Uh, it's been since the summer probably that I've seen you in person. Yeah. I, what, so last time I saw you in person, was that for the, uh, the golfing match? I think it was the golf or – yeah, I think it was probably the golf the match. Or no, no, no. I think we both wound up there one weekend actually out of – riding bikes was that that weekend or no 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 no. that was at the early part of the summer i think that we we met up one time oh here's a funny story okay so um nate and i right every time we meet up in ashland or ashland as people call it where where i went to college it's where nate's brother goes to college we um we always seem to be the oddballs out right like um i feel like everybody else kind of has something else to do with their life and you and i are just kind of floating to our own drum but i love it and um, the last time, though, I got to take you to Blaze Pizza and Golf oh, yeah. Galaxy and really introduce you to the world uh, that I live in where I just do shopping all day um, and wasting money. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty fun. I had a great time. I know. So um, Great pizza, would be, too. Would it be weird if I called you Intern Nate the rest of this episode because that's how I know you as? 
Uh, I mean, if you want to, I, I like I'll, I go by either. You can call just In, call me Nate. Intern Nate over here was, was our intern for the podcast that we were hosting for a little while, which might be getting a revamp. So keep your eyes and ears open. But hopefully, um, hopefully yeah, I, I would like that. I miss it. Yeah. Um, I miss talking to you boys three times a week. Maybe we fun. cut it down like two times a week though, just so we ensure that we don't burn ourselves out. Yeah, but uh, Nate was was an intern of ours, and he did an interview to uh, get that gig, and it was a pretty funny interview, I must say. What were, were you, rec basketball champion? Yes, yeah, so I was a one-time rec basketball champion in eleventh grade, and then on the slide, I added self-proclaimed MVP of the game because I had a double-double. I was actually just uh, rewatching the episode a couple of days ago because it just came up on my feed on YouTube. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. It was some. Uh, there was some solid comedy work in there. There was some the solid comedy work. I, my humor really came out. That's um, oh, it was awesome. I know. I really need to work on that with this episode. I think sometimes I get caught being too serious. Um, I, yeah, I realized let, let it as well. I realized as I was listening back to my episode last week with Alexis, where I was just like, "Oh, I was so chill. It was funny. I thought it was funny at least." Yeah, I thought it was great too. It was wholesome. I want to add that. Wholesome. If wholesome. you haven't seen it, go stop this one and go watch this one. Go watch that one. Well, don't stop this one. Keep listening to this one and go yep. back after and watch that one. But uh, let's get to the root of things, man. How, uh, you are a self-proclaimed Lynchburgian, and you have you were born and bred Lynchburg, Virginia, which is I wasn't born in Lynchburg. I was born in New York. Oh, what part? Uh, Syracuse. Oh, nice. Okay, so you're yeah. born in Syracuse, baby, but bred just fully through and through Lynchburg, yeah. Virginia. I could you could say that what what accurate. was growing up in Lynchburg like man I mean the my perception before you get going here is that Lynchburg is just like redneckville USA where the biggest darndiest big truck driving fellows live um but maybe you have a different perception of it yeah that was not very accurate at all not accurate at all yeah exactly yeah. the only times I've ever been to Lynchburg were for baseball things yeah, but uh, Lynchburg definitely like it has a small town feel to it, which is good. I feel like it's a very close knit community. You know everybody, and I've uh, I live in a larger city now. Almost, it's very much bigger in population. I don't think I was correct in English, but uh, but yeah. But what I don't feel here, and what I felt in Lynchburg, is just the sense of that people know each other. Like I walk into the grocery store here, and I probably I definitely won't know anybody. But back in Lynchburg, I walked to the grocery store. I probably know at least 10 to 20 people. So it's good to, to have 20? that feel. Yeah, dude. That's so impressive. many people. Yeah. And that could have been just because I guess my parents knew a lot of people. And then from that, I knew people, but also just because I don't know. I, I, it just felt very close, uh, which was good. It was good growing up like that. I had a lot of good buddies. Uh, we played outdoors a lot, which I think helped shaped who I am today. Were you a Definitely. big outdoors kid growing up? Like oh, no video dude, games, just always huge. outside? Yeah, I didn't have a Wii till like middle school or maybe late elementary school, but I didn't have a phone till like eighth grade. You know, I must so I was, say two things on that. One, I think kids who are able to play outside more than like play video games and shit are a little bit, like a little bit more normal. Um, I have buddies who like would just stay inside 24 hours a day and like play PS4, PS2 or PS3, whatever it was at the time. And they're, they're a bit odd nowadays, but um, we just hopped back on the Wii train, dude. Holy shit. It was, we, we just like was not appreciated enough. 
I think that it needs to blow up again. I've been playing Wii Golf like at least once a night, and it, I'm crushing it, just shooting the best scores of my life. I'm loving it. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that I think that the more you get outside as a kid, the more adventurous and uh, I guess uh, understanding of the world you are as a grown up. Um, I agree with that. I don't know if there's an actual correlation. There probably is. I'm sure there's been some kind of psychological yeah, study done on it, but. I mean, I don't want to sound more like social in that way. You have better right. in-person communication than over the phone or. Right. Like, I don't want to like sound said. like one of those grumpy old people who are like video games are going to ruin kids minds or whatever, because like that, that's a little bit extravagant as well. But I do think that there is a level that kids need to be outside. And actually this is a funny conversation we were having the other day. Were you ever like the type of kid who would go to the park like uh, the public park and just make friends and like start playing sports with kids that you've never met before. Like basketball. Um, I, not, not very much in Lynchburg cause the park was far away, but I, I was like that within my neighborhood. Like I'd walk around to like the other colder sack and there'd be kids playing on there. And I just, whatever game they're playing, I would just jump in. Mm-hmm. But I didn't go to the park very much cause it was kind of a far drive. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, we were um, so we were talking about like the beach and um, siblings and everything. And I was always, I was always prone. And I mean, I guess now that I look back on it, it's not as surprising. But I was prone to like walking up to kids that were playing any sport, any sport at all, and just being like, "Hey, can I join in?" And that was that was how I built friendships as a kid. Like, I mean, I guess it's changed now a bit. Like, you you probably like follow those cats on Instagram or something. But like for me, it's like I hold like the uh, the memories of like playing baseball on the beach or soccer on the beach or something with like kids for like one, maybe two times and never seeing them again. I think there's something weird about that or like interesting at least. No, I, I would say it's more interesting than weird, but also yeah, I, I don't think know it why it's you, been weird. It probably because I would say you're a pretty social guy now. So that probably helped build that and establish that within you as a kid. You ha- got those um, skill sets young. And just grew on them as you grew up. Were Were you a camp kid? I feel like you were a camp kid. Did you go to? Camp oh, dude, I love camping till this day too. No, no, not like camping, but like. Camp. Oh, oh no, like, I did didn't you go to summer camp. Not like a, a regular summer camp, no. Mm, you strike me as a camp kid. I'm not gonna lie. Why? Why is that? Well, it's it's like a combination of your personality, but like, I don't know. There, like, a, like a what type of camp? Like a. Uh... Like a summer camp, like a Jewish summer camp. No, I wasn't. I wasn't that type of. Summer. You know, they always were asking me to go, but I never went. I was never too busy went. playing the sports. That's true. Luckily, my sport didn't go to the summer. At least, oh, which sport is it? Basketball. Uh, track and field. Uh, track and field. We'll get into yeah. that in a minute because I, I do have a lot of questions for you. Oh really? Uh oh yeah. Um, first, but but before we get to track and field, I have to ask: in Lynchburg, Virginia, what is the like main thing you do like like what's like everybody getting jazzed up to do on the weekend um can you give me an example from like your hometown for my hometown so between the grades of six and 12 maybe maybe like 10 11 like the kids get together they go to the mall then they go to the movies at night like that's like the the hangout like do you guys like flip cows over or (laughs) no um I don't, I never went to the mall. I wasn't that type of kid. And our mm-hmm. mall scene wasn't like, I guess, as regular as other places. It was pretty dead. But um, I never realized go, how stupid the mall scene was until I got older. 
Like, yeah, it's kind of like it's weird. When I turned probably like 15 or something, I would look at the kids and be like, these kids are just walking in circles around the mall with their friends doing absolutely nothing. Why did I ever waste so much of my life doing this bullshit? Yeah, I never got into that. So I guess lucky for me, I lucked out. But, um, but yeah, kids, they go to, uh, there's a lake nearby, Sith Mountain Lake, and then there's a ski place and a snowboard place called Wintergreen. I, um, I never really went to those because I can't snowboard. And I didn't have a lake on the house. So I just play uh, lake on the ball. house. Yeah. House. House in the lake, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Cards so on the house, out. house of cards, you know. Yeah, words, words are hard, man. So Word, words are pressure. hard. They, they don't – do you feel any pressure right now? No, no I just st- uh, stutter on words sometimes. Just Understandably. I had my thoughts. I think up. faster than I speak. Yeah, that's a real thing. People forget. So I can never be like a, a rapper. Although I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be a battle rapper just for fun, just so I can – just my buddies at school. You ever watch hard. battle rap like on YouTube? Yes, dude. Yeah, that stuff's dude. insane. It's intense. It really is. Have you heard of a guy named Roan? Yeah, dude. Roan is insane. Dude, he's the man. He um, what's the? There's like King of the Hill, Toronto, like 2014 or something, where he just goes off. It is nuts. Have um, you I seen don't... his newest one? Like, no, I, I haven't watched it. Ever since he went to Barstool, I kind of was like, mm, I don't need. Yeah, to, like, that's fair. Watch this guy. I, I'm very against Barstool right now. Um, wow, so I've been getting heavy in the Barstool. Like, really? I watch all their videos. Yeah. It's, I haven't it's, had anything to do. It's really just the culture, man. I, I, I do like watching like the foreplay golf videos. I'll listen to Spit and Chicklets once in a while because I'm still a hockey guy. But like the the frat guy culture that kind of comes along with it, I'm just I'm kind of over it. And then the other night, uh, what's his fucking name? Dave Portnoy was on um, Tucker Carlson's show. And I was just like, you know what? This was never supposed to get political. Like Barstool Sports was I remember, I've been following Barstool since like two thousand and eight was I think the first time I got a Barstool shirt when the Red Sox won the World Series. So I mean like I've been following Barstool for a long time, but the fact of the matter is it's gone so far like just down a, a rabbit hole that I don't necessarily want to be like trapped in that I can't, I can't necessarily take their content as serious currently. That's fair. I've been uh, watching a lot of Wonton Don, Donnie. You ever oh, yeah, he's pretty funny. Stuff? Yeah, he's cool. But I, I see what not. you mean. You could uh, apply for a job if like, you have the right skill set for them. I have the perfect skill set to work at a place like that, but I, I, just, I don't think I would fit well with the culture, to be honest with you. I, I, I can see that. You gotta, it's almost like military because I watched some of their videos and Dave would just like – lay into these people like ruin like their dreams and then you have to just take that and just move on yeah i think the thing for me too as well is just like there's there's just this underlying elitist notion or something to it that that i don't quite get with and i don't know i i don't think that they would ever accept the show like anybody and everybody like they would be like well what's the use in interviewing people who aren't famous or popular or have a following and to me that's kind of i mean that's not why i didn't start this show to interview famous people i started the show to give people a voice and sure there will be famous people on like i'm actually talking to an incredibly famous person right now to come on the show in coming weeks um 
and he so he and i he went to my high school and he's the man he's such a cool guy but um like he's he's gonna be one of my bigger guests but there will not be that many huge huge guests and can you so, tell what he's famous for or in uh he's, he's famous uh for a song he's a rap he's a oh cool he's a country rapper he's still kind of small he um i can just tell you it's this dude breland um he does that song um don't touch my truck Skrr, oh, yeah, dude. He does? yeah he does that that's one. cool so he went to my high school and th- there's a lot of really funny stories i'm not going to tell them now because oh yeah uh, save it dude yeah i have some re- great stories i have I have this one story that I'm saving up for him. Uh, uh, it was my first night at high school, right? And so 14-year-old Herm, um, just totally scared shitless. Like, I had never left my parents like that before. And I was, like, getting ready to live on my own. And there was, like, all these icebreakers and stuff in the dorm. And I'll just leave it there. He helped me out through that stuff so much. It was so funny. But, Can't um, wait to listen. Yeah, dude, it's going to be a great episode. I just have to wait on some, uh, you know, information because famous people can't just do things like go on a podcast. Yeah. You can't just text a dude at 7 o'clock you want to be on. I know, I just texted like, you. Yeah. Well, so the person, not that you're like my second option at all. I was just waiting to do your episode. Um, I, I figured you'd be free, first of all. And second yeah, I got, of all. I've not got nothing going on. Right, so I knew you'd be free, and I wanted to have you yeah, on the I'd show. So no offense. Jump on. Um, but the guy who uh, was supposed to be on uh, apparently has COVID now and Ooh. was, like, getting tested or something tonight. So I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll push that yeah, back. I, I don't think I leave my house but, like, two times a day. So what What is life like down there right now? Um, it's pretty, I guess, normal at this point. This is what I've been doing since March just mainly staying inside doing school and then playing guitar and then walking my dog and then I'll, the, I'll ride my bike every day and work out is south carolina going to uh go on any kind of like shutdown again you think i'm not sure i haven't really looked into it because i'm mainly more concerned about dc at right. this point because that's where my college is at so i mean they could i've heard other cities are starting to roll back and put in other measures to try to stop the uh, spread into the winter yeah dude we in new jersey are going to be shut down before before i know it it's kind of scary actually i wouldn't be shocked if it's in the next week um i I wouldn't be shocked if it's before thanksgiving as well so people don't travel and stuff i heard they might do travel bans too like you can't come in yeah, if they're, you do come in, you have to quarantine they're really pushing that dude it's uh it's nuts i mean the, the truth is covid's at an all-time high right now in our country. And it's, it's only going up. It's only going up because, you know, we have a president who really cares about the health and well-being of his citizens, um, but only the ones that voted for him. <laughs> Actually, he doesn't even give a shit about them because he's like, don't wear masks. It's a fucking hoax. So that's always fantastic. Um, it, it's, science. Dude, it is, it is truly just – it's like an episode of Black Mirror. Did you ever watch that show? I did not. It is truly just mind-boggling the way in which our country is being operated right now. I There's like this close to civil war, I would assume, if like he doesn't get uh, like taken out of office normally because he'll just be like, white supremacists, go kill everyone else. And I don't know, man. It's yeah, freaking it's, uh, nuts. All right, I, I guess that would be... Would you ever... So you go to school in D.C. Would you ever not go back to school because of like some kind of civil unrest going on in the country? 
Like if I was scared? Yeah. Um, I mean, yes and no. If it was like, if I go up there, my likelihood of getting injured or perhaps dying was over 80%, then I probably wouldn't. I'd do the smart thing and, you know, school's important, but my life is a little more important than school. I'd rather stay around a little longer. But I mean, if it's like, if it's not too bad, yeah, I'll probably go up because I'm not that afraid. Yeah, no, there's there's really no reason to be afraid. The media, yeah. it's I don't call it fake. And everything's going to blow everything up. But the media blows everything up. I've yeah. been to plenty of rallies and uh, gatherings or whatever you want to call them, uh, protests sometimes uh, they're described as, and I've never once felt unsafe, like even slightly. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it's like even when, <laughs> never mind, I'm not going to go there. So, DC, you go to uh, Catholic University. That's right. However, you are Jewish, kind of. Um, That's right. Do you ever feel a stigma from this? You know, I I thought it'd be a lot, like, different than it is. I figured, like... How Catholic is Catholic University? It's actually not that Catholic, or at least I found, like, a group of friends that aren't totally Catholic, which is nice. Makes you feel like I fit in more. But if it, like, if I didn't... If I didn't have, like, the buddies I have now, I probably wouldn't be back on campus. Do just because it's just – I don't know. I just – I like it, but it's just, you know, it's if it's not your religion or if you're not religious and you go to a religious school, it could definitely be a, um, a culture shock for sure. Are there, like, religious guidelines and stuff that you, like, have to – No, you, could, you don't have to go to any of the masses. You don't have to, you know, tell what your faith is. You could just practice how you do or you could practice with others, but – I never felt a presence of like God on me, if that makes sense. And I've been, I've seen some other uh, religious schools growing up that like make you pray before games. I've never had that. I never felt that I had to go out of my way to do anything religious. You know, that's actually a really funny, not funny, interesting point. I was talking about this the other day and I, I of course went to Randolph-Macon College, played baseball and everything. And we would pray before every game. I never once thought twice about it. I don't know why. I was feeling like I just went with it. I thought it was just like what you did. And now that I look back on it, I'm like, wow, that was really fucked up. Like I wasn't religious. I I, first of all, wasn't Christian. I too wasn't religious. And three, like, why, why did I feel necessary to participate? I, I feel like baseball is a very faith-oriented sport. I it feel is. Like it's more connected to God than any other sport. It is. That, it is overly religious at times. That's for. And sure. I don't think it. Not saying it doesn't need to be, but it just. I don't know. It's just. It sticks out to me as different from the others in that regard. No, I totally agree. But like, I don't know. It. It really. It really. Um. It befuddled me a little bit the other day when I was thinking about it again because I was like. This, that wasn't me. Why was I succumbing to that? But yeah, I mean, I think that in which was that were you fast, Was that was that a part of you that you wanted to fit in? Is that why you did it, or is or was just just subconsciously you just kind of did it? Well, I think there was a big part of me that wanted to fit in. So like, um, my freshman and sophomore year of college, when I was still playing baseball, I, I um, I didn't tell anybody that I was Jewish because, well, I did. I think a handful of people knew, but there were a couple other dudes on the team that were Jewish and they were always kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say they were like made fun of or bullied or anything for it, but it got brought up a lot. Right. Like it got brought up in almost like 
comfortable, uncomfortable amount. It's the easiest thing to bash, if that makes right. sense. It's right, like, right, right. But it's like so second nature too, which is horrible. It's horrible. It's scary. I think yeah. that's why. Well, so like connecting this to why it's terrifying to see like the white supremacy stuff now it's like you see these white supremacy rallies or whatever going on and they're chanting things like jews will not replace us like what does that even mean like what what does this have to do with the country i mean this country is what what do they call it as we were growing up the melting pot like if this place is a melting pot then you don't segregate these people based on religion and especially don't try and push them away or push anybody away even if they're a minority group and i mean it's it's uncomfortable dude it's like why should you you shouldn't be afraid to be jewish or any kind of minority not at all in the year 2020 in the united states of america so connecting it back i would say that yeah it was a total it was a total fit-in thing for me i think i i know for a fact and this is this is this is i have something i've analyzed about myself and like self-thought self-reflection self-therapy and stuff and regular therapy and so i think i spent like i spent like a pretty large majority part of my high school and college days trying to fit in um i never viewed myself as one to lead the pack one but one to just kind of fit into whatever everyone else was doing and so I, it was if, even if it was something like praying before a game or going to a certain party or talking to a certain group of people or taking a certain class, it was really all stuff to kind of fit in. And then something clicked after my sophomore year of college. Actually, it was right before my sophomore year. It was when I was like doing my hippy dippy stuff. I was working on the oyster farm. I was doing like naked yoga with the interns and stuff. Like it was, it was pretty nuts. And I kind of became this free thinking dude that I am, that I would consider myself now. And I went, when I went back to school though, it was very much pushed back on, on me. Like um, I would refuse to do things because what they don't tell you before you become a college athlete is that you are going to put in probably 30 to 40 hours of work a week. And it is actually a full-time job and there, everything's technically, technically this is at the vision three level optional right because they they, you're not under contract you don't have money to play your sport you have to do what they say even though it's optional but because it was optional i viewed it as optional and i stopped going to as many things and i stopped doing some of the things that people traditionally would want you to do and because of that pushback i was kind of i was pushed out to a certain extent so like i end up tearing my shoulder apart and that just pushed me over the limit. I'm like, what's the use in re reeval or what's, what's the word like rehab rehabilitation? What's the use in rehabbing my shoulder to the point where I can just continue to be kind of the outsider of these guys. Cause first of all, I didn't love the sport. I didn't love going to practice every day. Actually, I quite, quite disliked it. I missed playing hockey and lacrosse constantly. And two, I, I just didn't like the culture. I mean, our coach was an incredibly conservative man. He literally, uh, actually, I don't want to tell that story. It would be a little embarrassing for him. Uh, he has apologized since, but like fact of the matter is I got ridiculed sometimes for life decisions I would make that I thought were personal to me off the baseball field, right? Like things that you shouldn't have the ability to control. But as soon as you start trying to control my life outside of what you're doing for me, so like if it's a professor, 
trying to control my life outside of classroom. I don't like it. If it's a coach trying to control my life outside of the field, I don't like it. So as soon as I started forming my own opinions, I was kind of pushed away. And I realized very, very quickly that that wasn't the lifestyle for me. And I had to kind of go on my own and now I'm loving it. I'm loving content creation and making my own decisions, tweeting my own stupid bullshit all the time. Like I, I really, I, I don't need like the gra- like the uh, structure of someone else, um, some higher arch- arching like opinion. I did a lot of talking there. Though. I'm sure you have something. No, no, you're good. No, I fully agree with everything you said. Why do some, if your heart's not into it, you're just, I wouldn't say killing yourself, but you just put putting yourself in a hole and just digging yourself deeper and deeper and you're not getting any fulfillment out of it. Right. And Especially I was, I was getting no fulfillment you. of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't necessarily that people were bashing me. It was like, it was more like everybody was watching my, my every move. It was kind of weird actually. Um, it is weird. Like, like at the time I was also eating vegan or something. Yeah. I was, I was eating vegan. Like I was like doing yoga every morning. I was like super into like my like, hippy dippy like lifestyle and like i would have guys like chirping me in the group chat like herm did you eat your lettuce today like the most minuscule things like stuff that i just like brushed off my shoulder but it was just like a constant like herm you eating your lettuce and protein shakes or like bullshit like that and yeah i, I would have quit too i couldn't i mean it's just like so much and it's like I don't think like judging someone making healthier life decisions. I had also lost like 30 pounds. Like I was in the best. Yeah, you're bettering yourself. Life. Why should someone get mad at you for trying to just be better as a human being and live longer and be healthier? Because I wasn't a red blooded God loving American baseball player. But I agree it's with everything true. they said. I felt like I was in high school. I felt like I was, I could fit in with any group, but I wasn't, with one group, if that makes sense. Like I, I was buddies with all the lacrosse players, but I wasn't a lacrosse player. I was buddies with like the, uh, like the, uh, the dudes that were in all the drugs and stuff. And I wasn't in any of that. I could just make conversation well. And just, I listened a lot too. I didn't try to be the top dog, which I guess helped me. Right. No, I, um, I, I was, I was the same way. I, I never had one friend group. So like in high school, especially we had our dorm or house and all those dudes all they did was like hang out with each other all day long i always kind of found myself venturing around to other friend groups though yeah you get a better perspective too which i like better perspective and then also i don't know i get tired of people this is this is a bad bad personality trait of mine and um i love my girlfriend so much that like i legit want to see her every day um that's saying something because she's probably one of the few people in my life who i'm like actually want to see every day because everyone else i'm just like i see you for seven hours a week we're good we're chilling that's all i need because a couple minutes after that i just start to get like turned away and that it's a it's a personality trait something i'm working through of course but yeah you gotta work through what you got yeah of course i mean there's but it makes you you so yeah yeah no totally i also i also realized it was time to quit because this was the telltale sign i was I got in a lot of trouble that right before I turned my lab tore my labrum because I was going to men's league hockey and lacrosse like after practice. And then, and my coach never knew. And then one of the guys like ratted on me or something. And oh, uh, ne- next thing I know I'm getting called into his office and I'm like, because I, I didn't play, I, I, I didn't love it, dude. I would rather play ever any other sport at the time. I could see that. You, can you teach me how to play hockey? I've been wanting to learn how to skate. Yeah. You want to ice skate? Yeah, it looks so much fun. Especially when, like, uh, 
they do that slide stop real fast. Have you ever skated before? Um, I skated, yeah, but I was like a rail hugger. Oh, you were? Yeah. But it's all I, about I, getting those ankles tight in your boots. Yeah, I was also like 10 years younger and a whole lot less athletic and uncoordinated than I am now. We'll, we'll get you on some ice. We can make yeah, it happen. Man. You'll I'm have to come that. up to Jersey. I think I get a, what's it, like a 14-hour drive? Uh, from where? From where you're at now? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's probably 10, about it's 14 hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's about four. Yeah, 14. Yeah, it's it would a, probably be like 12. 12? I could do that in a day. That's pretty Yeah, easy. you wake up at four, get here at four? Yeah. Yeah, you could definitely make that happen. Now, now the thing that I did overlook, though, in that conversation is that you are a college athlete, right? You, you're right. going through the heat of it right now. What, what, what has it been like for you? I mean, this is something I don't get to ask enough people, but, like, how's your experience? Luckily, my sport is a lot less demanding than most other sports, like football and baseball and lacrosse and soccer, pretty much. I just have a two-hour practice every night, every week, like every day of the week. And then just meets on Saturdays, and that's it. Because I don't have to – I'm a thrower, track athlete. I don't know if I said that earlier. What What do you throw? Shot put, discus, hammer, indoor weight, and that's it. Dude, so, hammer is nuts. It's fun. Okay, so so Alexis's sister is a um, – she's a discus thrower. Oh, no way. And so she's been, like, showing me events and stuff. And hammer, though, dude, you do that? Yeah, it's sweet. Have you ever accidentally killed somebody? Uh, no. I'm... Have you come close, like letting it slip out of your hands? And... No, because you have a glove. But, I mean, I didn't get to throw it a whole lot this year because the season got cut short. But I'm sure if I keep throwing it, then the accident will probably come close to happening. But Dude, we're pretty not... safe with it. How um how far do you throw discus? I'm genuinely curious. Um, So I didn't get to throw it in college because the season got cut short. But in high school, I think – you want a practice mark? I give. I'll do a give me practice. your. Give me your best mark. In practice, I think I hit like one one fifty, but I, I couldn't show out in the meets. I, I don't know what it was, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to work over that mental gap. Right. That that's so. tough. Well, actually, she's facing kind of a similar thing right now in practice. So she's she's really fighting for that official one hundred number. Yeah. So she's like ninety five, ninety six in meets, but then in practice she'll hit like one hundred five. And there's just something about like that mental space that just is like a tough dilemma to battle through. And like the preparation. I was in the same position as well. I think it's like a a matter of relaxing and just trusting the work you've put in is going to show out in the meat. Because if you get too nervous and you get all tight and the key with discus is being real loose and long and big. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. Like how it comes you out. really have to extend your shoulder. Like it would yeah. rip apart my shoulder. It just wouldn't be awesome. Yeah, I have a lot of elbow issues too. So I don't hopefully <laughs> uh is that more just... from shot put? Uh it's what happened was I think it's it's been all throughout high school, but I think the origin of it was from baseball, mm-hmm. that throwing motion. And then once you stick like a twelve pound ball in there or like a one point six uh kilogram discus, just the weight of it and the resistance push it to the edge right and so i have elbow tendonitis it's gotten better i haven't had it in college yet but i've just got to do those bands and my left shoulder has been giving me trouble but it's it's nothing too bad but yeah i think just overuse and not strengthening up the small muscles right 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 i totally understand that um, all the boring stuff yeah sorry to get into my no mind. it's not boring it well probably boring for the listeners 
um stuff that i've no like the back of my hand obviously as i've been trying yeah. to like rehabilitate my shoulders injuries like, suck just be a normal person at this point but yeah. so of the three then which one's your favorite probably shot put right now yeah just because i've thrown it the most in college and i just like it like, how, do you, how do you like college athletics as a whole uh it's pretty fun i wish uh as a team we got together more because throwers are always isolated which is a product of who we are but I enjoyed. I made a lot of buddies, good friends. Yeah, I mean um, that's what's up. I, I love the camaraderie. Um, oh yeah. Although I had a tough college experience myself that I didn't particularly love. Now that I look back on it, I do think that the camaraderie for like playoffs, for tournaments, stuff like that, was at an all-time high in college, and I think that was one of the coolest things about it. Yeah. But is it is it different for throwing? I guess are the crowds kind of smaller? And... Oh yeah. <laughs> But it's cool, though. Uh, we were at a meet in New York City at the Armory. Oh, that's a team, cool spot. Yeah, oh, it was so cool. Definitely, like, the coolest uh, track experience of my life up to this point. Besides so throwing states in high school, but um, just, like, arena-wise. But the uh, track team, they chose a spot near the uh, throws so they could cheer us on when they weren't running. So oh, that's that was awesome. Like, I love that. Yeah, it felt good. Just to, like, to know that they, that they care, although we are separate. So, yeah. just – any love is good love, I'll say that. What, was it in high school that you decided to become a thrower? Yeah, so eighth grade, my uh, baseball coach, he, on the B team, this is fall, he started his son over me, and I was probably six one first baseman. His son was probably 5'6", like one, pounds. Yeah, so he started over me, and then the coach was just always, like, yelling at me and getting on me. And I was like, you know what, dude, I don't need this. I don't love baseball that much. I'm going to try something else. And I found throwing, and the coach was awesome. And it's history from there, as they said. That's what's up, man. I mean, everybody finds their kind of thing, and to be able to pick it up in high school and then do it in college is so rad. I yeah. don't think I don't think that enough people get credit for that. Like um, being able to completely go from doing one thing to picking it up, and then four years later doing it at the next level. Which I mean, granted, people say, "Oh, it's." d3 d3 you know um but the fact of the matter is you're in the top one percent you're one in like one thousands and thousands or whatever of people who get to play a college sport which mm. yeah it's a small category and pretty rad um, i mean yeah, it's good sense of pride too for sure i think i think sometimes it's more fun to play d3 sports because oh it's, it's to, a lot less pressure, you don't have the pressure of like maintaining a scholarship and maintaining the stigma that comes with it and all and that it's not at least I don't feel like it's a job, but if it was D1, it'd be a job. Like, right. I'll, I'll mess with my coach at practice. Like I'll play him on a one-on-one basketball game. I don't think I could do that at D1 school. For sure. Just That's what's it's up, like, though. yeah, I beat him too. So it was, it was a good moment. Hell yeah. Party. Is he like a tall guy or athletic? Uh, he's, really about, he's probably like six one, uh, maybe. Okay. A little yeah, so he's a bigger guy. Yeah. Yeah. A little he's round, a, more round than muscle, but he's a good guy. Part of the uh, part of the uh, thick boy bike club. That's right. Have you been riding your bike? Speak about bikes. I haven't rode my bike since I took this really wicked fall, probably Ooh. middle of the summer. Um, something about it just really turned me off. Um, I'm what I I like to describe as a phase person. I talk about this a lot, actually. I um I go through phases. So like during from the month of like July till still going on i golfed every day it was probably mm. july actually the last time i rode my bike 
because I went wow. I went from mountain biking every day to playing golf every day, and now I'm moving back into my hockey every day phase. So I'm like about to s- slim up again and like get in good shape. But um, I'll soon be moving probably from the hockey phase back into the mountain bike phase, which will then turn back into the golf phase. And it's just this never-ending rotation of phases in my life. I'll also probably go into a phase where I need to vlog every day, in my opinion, where I need to podcast more. It's, it's really a horrible cycle I'm stuck in. But I mean, I guess it keeps you like fresh and new that you're not you're not doing the same thing over and over and over and over you're kind of changing it up there's guys i'll like skate with in the mornings or whatever who like i can't go a day without hockey and i'm just not that way like i could i could be chill without playing hockey for three months in a row and then i'll get back on the ice and it'll be like i never left i mean the the skills won't be as sharp and i'll be a little bit more out of shape but like i don't personally feel that need i do need to however do something like remotely athletic every day whether it be one of those activities um and i mean i'm just yeah i'm constantly doing something along those lines and oh we also got a peloton though i've been riding that oh sweet how is that dude peloton you know they are expensive i'm not gonna lie like that yeah i've seen that ridiculous prices. um but I personally believe it's worth every penny. I really love getting on there and riding, but we also got the Peloton treadmill, which is by far, not even in question, the best treadmill I've ever stood on in my life. Is it uh, curved? It's not curved, no, but it has the same type of panels as the curved one, Okay. which also gives it like a, uh, I, I want to call it like a cushion when you run, but it, it's truly just like the experience of going from, going into the class to actually completing the workout to getting that fulfillment through it. It's second to none. It's better than a gym membership. In my opinion, I I, I would, I don't like going to the gym. I, I have gym intimidation. I'm like a small puppy at those things. I used to have that. And I was like, they're probably not looking at me. They're probably focused on what they're doing. And that just kind of helped me just focus on me. Right. And it's also like, I'll have a plan going into the gym. This is one of my big issues. I'll have a plan like set, like I'm going to do three sets, four sets, whatever, do a ton of lifting, something along those lines. And then I roll in and I'll see like one person like working out over there. I'll be like, never mind. I'm going to hit the elliptical for the next hour. And that's all I'll do. <laughs> like it, it's, it's a serious, like I just always am changing up the plan. It also got to the point though, like being a college athlete, when we were lifting like twice a day or running twice a day or lifting and running twice a day, it was like, I never after college want to lift another weight in my life. I am so done with lifting. Like I, people are like, I have the urge to go lift. I'm just like, I don't, you, you couldn't pay me. I'd rather go for like a 15 mile run. I couldn't run. I'd rather go for like a 50 mile bike ride, but I like going to the gym. Yeah. I was, I would road biking more too, which is fun. I don't know if you ever scary dude much into that. Yeah. No, I I was into it for a bit. It's one of those phase things. I I rode bike (laughs) for a little bit. Then I'll mountain bike. It's truly all over the place. I was having it up. Yeah. I was having a lot of fun mountain biking right before I stopped. I should probably go for a ride soon here. I mean, it's starting to get a little bit chillier, so it's a good time to ride. I'll, I'll probably go night riding with my pops. Actually, have you ever have you ever done that? I haven't. No. It's actually sick. You get like a headlight for your bike or whatever, and it's basically like a car headlight. Like you can see clearly. I almost ride better or like can see better night riding because it's, it's probably more of a focused view. Right. It's a focused light, so like you can see every route, you can see every turn, everything you need to see. It's there. That's and, pretty uh, cool. I really like that about it. Now, um, 
we went riding though one time we did yes and that was a hoot that was a that good was time. fun yeah i mean i don't really remember it uphills it were kind of i think there was crushing. a lot of uphills i think we yeah, did it was behind more. that school wasn't it right yeah it was behind a weird school down in richmond virginia it it's such a it was a weird weird trail system they have there that it wasn't very kind of marked interludes. and it wasn't very uh clear of where you go it just kind right of that's the issue together. you get lost right away and like going down is fun but the climbs were awful just no yeah. fun at all and so you work on that cardio man dude i i really do got to work on the cardio i've been done eating way too much recently it's it's like quarantine you don't realize it catches up on you so quickly it's been ridiculous it does but it felt like it was forever ago march yeah, like dude, it was like even we. You know what I don't like though. This is this is my issue with it right now, and I guess it's about to change if we do go on a lockdown or something. But we're in this weird lull, like um, uh, limbo period, I guess you could call it, where it's like, are we on lockdown? Are things still open? If I just wear a mask everywhere, is everything open? Like I almost preferred it when everything was shut down and the only rule was like stay in your damn house, because then I actually know what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right now, I like my work wants me to travel all over the place, and I don't want to be like no. But like, I don't even know where I'm supposed to travel to right now. I'm in New Jersey. We're on like everyone's don't travel list. So, what do I do? You know, I think there's it, like forty, like, like forty six states on that list. So basically, almost every state. So it's just hard. Yeah, dude, it's impossible. I mean, it's it, it's ridiculous. I. I kind of hope – I don't hope that we go back into another, like, uh, complete shutdown, but I hope that there's a little bit more, like, structure put in place. But also the fact that people now have had a taste of life not in a lockdown, it's not going to – people aren't going to go back. People aren't going to yeah. stay inside. Are you kidding me? No, but the issue is I saw a funny – it was, like, a meme, but it was true. It was, like – it was a, a line chart or whatever, bar chart, that was, like, COVID-level – in March, low people terrified. Like the line was super high. I saw this it's too. Like, yes. Yeah, and then it was like now COVID level through the damn roof. Like highest case numbers ever we've ever seen. People afraid? Not at all. It's over half a million deaths, right? Dude, it's or not. A quarter, yeah. A quarter, yeah. Right. It's insane. I mean, it's there's ridiculous. so many people that are dying. But I mean, thankfully, to this day, I'm gonna knock on some wood. It hasn't affected me too much, but. I know people. Had that one scare though. Remember that over the summer? Oh yeah. Well, I had it. Oh, well, you like, did? Yeah. Well, I'm convinced I had it. All I think I time. had it in February. I think I had it before people knew what it was. Dude, I'm convinced that I had it. But like, I know people who lost parents, aunts, uncles, like entire really? like parts of their family. Yeah. This one girl I know actually lost two aunts, an uncle, and both of her grandparents. Like Jeez. that is the most like just sad thing in the world to me. I like, yeah, that sucks. I don't know anyone that's lost anybody, so I know. I feel Crazy for those people that have for sure. Now, do you uh, do you think that Donald Trump actually had it? I think he, he probably did. Yeah, he didn't look very good in those interviews he was given when uh, it came out that he had it. That's true. But then I'm sure they stuck every drug, every anything they had. He he had the best treatment out of anybody ever for this that for this. Uh, would you virus. consider that unfair? No, because however you want to put it, he 
by just what position he has, he's the most important man in America just mm-hmm. because he's a president. And I feel like presidents should get that treatment because he is the leader of who we are. So right. even you if know, you hate I, the man, that's his, that's his job and that's the treatment that he should get. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think that, I think that you do have to do what you can to keep the president healthy. That being mm-hmm. said, I think that there were resources though that were used on him that should be option or be an option for the everyday American. I think that oftentimes people are more concerned with the quick or less uh, integrated system that won't necessarily save someone's life, but just keep them alive until they don't die. You know, like, yeah, I think that that's kind of the issue that I'm running into because I think that we as a country don't have good enough public health systems. I think that people deserve that. I think people deserve to be treated much better. It's really Mm -hmm. unfortunate to see how many people are affected by this. And actually two things, one, they won't go to the doctor or hospital because they're afraid of the medical bill they're going to see. And two, they're not getting the care that they deserve. And that's not anything, anything at all against doctors, nurses, the people taking care of them. It's truly just the resources that we aren't granting people. As, just the system that we have right and people are so afraid of socialized medicine but like we're still getting screwed you're still paying higher health insurance and premiums and deductibles and everything than ever than any other country by a long shot and getting not much better if not worse uh health and health care i know i agree with exactly what you're saying it's 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 weird i just hope now. they uh they have a vaccine that's trusted tested proven and that we can get it out in a timely manner so that hopefully things can return back to normal in a safe in a safe way right no i totally agree i think i think that there's what two vaccines as of today that are like doing pretty well and one of them i saw is like they already have like four million or maybe 40 million um capsules of uh whatever of it full so that like once it gets approved through like step three it can go right out they can shoot it out yeah that and that would be ideal i mean i think that's the thing that gets us back to closer to normal i, I hope, agree with that i was looking at my my time hop or whatever it's called the other day i was in boston this time last year i was going to bruins games having a great time i missed that I yeah, miss i was walking around D, like dc at night with my buddies and now i know we're all in separate states it's nuts, man. It's nuts. Now, with that, though, we, um, we come to this, this crossroads, right, where you talk about reality and it makes you perceive things a little bit differently. And this weird quarantine period that has truly felt like the blink of an eye in the long haul, but felt like freaking years while it's happening and this is something that you wanted to talk about this is this is one of your proposed ideas before you yes. came on the show the uh the idea of time and just like what we're dealing with right now it's insane have you read up on um chronos and kairos those are the greek gods no okay i think um one of them was i think one of them was a greek god i think chronos the, was the father of the gods right so but it's it's this idea of perceived time as opposed to real time and um i wrote i wrote a long paper about actually in college um we were reading this book uh i forget what it was called 
but there's a bell in the book, right? And it every time that the bell uh, rings, they switch between Kronos and Kairos. So like it's perceived time or it's real time. And I think that we've been living in a state of Kronos, which is perceived time for six, seven, how, how long since March? Eight months almost? Yeah, wow. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying though. Our perceived time right now is blink of an eye quickest eight months of our lives but yes our real time it's eight months and our perceived time day to day is like weeks like three days to me right now feels like a week actually i feel the opposite way is that right i don't mean to throw a counterpoint but yeah i feel like my weeks go by super super fast like i feel like like yesterday was november 1st but i feel like march was like 2018 i felt like that time span between my spring break when i got the news and now has felt like a year and a half but like last month was just fast well yeah i guess you could say it that way the months are flying by while the year overall yeah is just feeling like forever dude super super slow i mean i i i don't know like how we'll ever be able to like describe what we're feeling time-wise to future generations like i don't think you can right no i totally agree i think when one day when i have like children or something and they're like what happened in 2020 i'll be like so that was kids yeah like i don't know how to tell you this i blinked my eye and the year was over but it felt like the longest year of my life like ridiculous it's insane and but but i think it's also something that we go through a lot right that what's that saying like um when you're time flies when you're having fun yeah but there's nothing fun about this. No, not at all. There's an opposite. Right. So it's like, we are, are we in a, are we in a constant state of like just moral dilemma to the point that we are letting time fly past us? Like we can't comprehend it. Yeah. That's, that is kind of where we're at. Dude, we could be modern philosophers. Kids could read about Herb and Nate. Like they read about Socrates and Plato. I do like Socrates a lot. Can I uh, propose a question to you kind of about philosophy? Is it about Socrates? It's uh, kind of about like humans. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll just propose it. If you, if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. But do no, you think yeah. we'll ever hit a point to where we can't learn anything more or we can't go forward with like – as a society? Yeah, like we, a society or a human race. And I was thinking about this at dinner a couple of days ago. Like I feel like at some point we're going to run out of knowledge. Like – I don't think that we'll ever run out of knowledge because we are going to run out of time first. You think so? Um, I think that something's going to happen. Religious people tie it to like the great, uh, what, is, what do they call it? Like the um, like apocalypse, type, apocalypse thing. type thing. I just think that at the rate at which we are treating the world right now. In nature, yes. I, nature, I know where we're going with this. We will not have an earth to inhabit after so long. And to that extent, we will then in turn run out of time to become more knowledgeable and potentially I, Oh, I do believe that there's like life on other planets that could travel to us. Maybe they start to inhabit the country and take it over. But, but for now, I think that our time span in life is not long enough to run out of knowledge because I think that's fair because things are going to be constantly evolving. I mean, you can, you can draw so much knowledge from the most minimal of things that 
it gets to the point where we will be it'll be more minuscule potentially the advances in knowledge but there will always be a growth i feel like this is just my personal opinion you could definitely agree with it i'm sure you would disagree but i feel like we're not gonna learn at some point we're not gonna learn more we're just gonna like learn i don't want to say other ways but just like well for example an iphone like there's no new knowledge between this iPhone and the next iPhone. We just figure out how to make whatever like physics are in here uh, more efficient and run better. So, so would you say that not, we are we're not creating a new idea like the phone, like say in the sixties, no one knew what a handheld phone was, but we created that. But I feel like we'll get to a point where we can't do that. All we can do is just figure out like what we have to make it more efficient, smaller, faster, better. But that's so what you're not saying is that we're that's not creating new knowledge. We'll just be creating kind of knowledge, more. If you will. Okay, and I guess that is where where I was going with my idea. Okay. Um, I I think new knowledge. You're right. Um, new knowledge is something that could definitely be ran out of. But I think time still beats that. I think that time still because and think I, about I, it this way, right? I mean, someone like Elon Musk comes out with a Tesla. The Tesla was a piece of knowledge that was unheard of and can continue to be created into new knowledge because we still don't have like hovering cars. We still don't have cars that have leave a zero uh, carbon foot. Yeah. Zero carbon foot. Like there, there's plenty of time. I mean, there's plenty of knowledge to be made as long as we don't run out of time. And, I think that's fair. But I don't know if I agree. Yeah, I, I, I might disagree. That I think that you're still creating knowledge, though, even if you are making sub-knowledge from something that you have, like the iPhone, whether you're making it better or worse. It also, I mean, part of it at the same time is you have to study trends, right? So, like, the, the idea that you can change and gain knowledge from changing something like the iPhone strictly based on a trend of what people want to see. So, like, they're going to probably come out with, like, an iPhone that bends in half in a couple of years. But then in 12 years after that, people are going to want an iPhone that looks exactly like this one that we're holding in our hands, but yeah. runs at a far higher rate. Remember back in the day, they wanted bigger, bigger, bigger phones. And now we want smaller, smaller, smaller. Right. And so the funny that kind thing of is, idea. so I just got this phone the other day. Um, well, actually I didn't get this one. I originally ordered the iPhone mini, which was the size of the iPhone four, essentially. And wow. I realized that I didn't like it. Um, so I got, I went back. Yeah, it was too small. It was a little bit too small. So I went back and got the 12 Pro to which it, I guess is the perfect size for me. And, but that might be a preference that I change in two years. Like it, it's nuts how fast we're evolving. And because of that, I think that we're creating knowledge strictly based on the data that we're returning to the developers. I That's think fair. that we are constantly feeding them information to learn off of. It's like, um, one of the biggest things in business, right, is getting feedback from your crowd and allowing yourself time to analyze that feedback. You are constantly learning from what other people are telling you. And I think that as long as there's always an open place for conversation or understanding, there will be knowledge to be gained. So, no, I, I, think, don't, I don't think you run out of time. And I think that's what this boils down to is more of a definition argument than like uh, another type of argument. Because we did something in philosophy last semester. It's like we had to talk about definitions. And you could take a definition of a word like is. You could apply it to like six different things. 
Oh, yeah, very yeah. much so. I, I could see where you're coming from. Well, that's like the Socratic argument versus the uh, theological argument. No, not theology. Um, Socrates, Pla- Plato. Um, Socrates versus Plato argument. It's like they wrote very similar things, but meant completely different oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, things by it. And I think that it's all about up to interpretation. So as long as you're interpreting, interpreting, not interpreting, as long as you're interpreting the things that are being put into the world by other people and constantly trying to learn from it, there's knowledge to be had and knowledge to be created and generated. And I can see that. This is just me sitting in physics, just thinking about all these things that have been discovered. And if, and I know there's definitely stuff out there. I'm just, I haven't learned enough and I'm not as smart to know like what we haven't discovered, but it just got me thinking like, will we ever hit a point where we, we know everything. And I agree. I, and I can see where you're coming from. We, We'll probably definitely run out of time and this earth will be here before that happens. And then the cycle starts all over again. Right. Someone else right. has to discover everything. Now I do think that the next thing, the next really big thing that I'm sure some philosopher is developing is the idea of the next way in which we learn. So currently we use either a Socratic method of education, which is more like a liberal arts type education where you're creating a very wholesome thorough education in many different realms, or there's the Platonic uh, idea where you are focusing on one thing and becoming a master at it. I think that there is going to be another form of educational philosophy that's introduced to the world in the way in which people learn. And what that is going to be, I have no idea, but I think that will have the opportunity to change a lot, a lot of people and the way in which we develop things for the world. I, I think that'll help us figure out more stuff and thus gain more knowledge. Cause I actually about to bring up a point similar to that is that I think if we continue teaching how we are, we're going to like de-evolve. We're not going to become as smart as we could be just, I don't know, in like 500, like 5,000 years, everything's going to change. But if we keep teaching people the same, I feel like we're going to hit a cap where we we're just not, I don't know, becoming smarter, educated. This is just me talking out my butt, but I don't right. know. I, de- I definitely... Well, well, no, you're totally right, and you're on the right track. I think that the thing that is so... I don't know what the right word is. It's, um, I think, misleading about education is that people believe that you need a large takeaway from it, something that is going to stick with you forever, but... I think that the simple growth of knowledge could be something as small as understanding that if you say one thing versus another to someone, that that will change the way in which you have that conversation. And I think that there's tiny, tiny, tiny pieces of, of uh, what do they call it, of uh, learned abilities through anything that you're studying that you could grow off of and that'll never that'll never end i don't think that could ever end We're i agree, I agree with that i wish uh i wish there's some way i could see what happens in the future just to see how we evolve and would you want to know how you die Ooh, that's a great question i, I think um, about this a lot actually like exactly like like if, if you had, if you could have like a calculator or something that like told you your life expense like how many days you have left to live would you want to know 
it would definitely make me reevaluate everything I do and definitely change my habits. Right. But I don't think I want to know that because then well, the I, issue I'll just, is that you would try and stop it. Well, I start trying to do too much and I just wouldn't like, I don't know. I'd just be thinking about it every night. I probably couldn't sleep. Right. I mean, think about those last 365 days you have, right? Or like, let's say you figure it out and you have less than that. You are going to try and one, cram everything you can in life, your bucket list per se, mm. into those that time frame. But two, you live now with an anxiety that you truly can't fight. Like you can't, uh, yeah. you can't control yourself from not freaking out about that. And say, know? what if you die from doing one of those things that you wanted to do? Right. Then what? Look at that. Yeah. That's too much pressure, too much. I couldn't do that. Maybe yeah, if I knew. I've come the to the weight. conclusion that I would not want to know. Yeah. What about the weight in which you died? Would you want to know that? Um, Probably not because I think that if I had, if I knew that it was something like a terminal illness or something that's really, really hard, not just on myself, but on my loved ones around me, I wouldn't want to have to bear that burden. Um, because I, I'm a very uh, sympathetic, empathetic, no. I'm, yeah, I'm very sympathetic and empathetic to everyone's feelings around me um, to the point that it would hurt me more to have to watch someone do that and know than uh, not. I can see that. I, I wouldn't want to know either. Or would, you just, say, would you say you're afraid of death? No. I mean, if something happened, I think about like what happens after death a lot. You ever do that and your head feels weird? Yeah, I mean, I've thought about it. It's like, I don't know, something about uh the spirit the spirit of the human the spirit of your body coming back in some form way shape or another uh is something i think about a lot i i'm not I think it's, honestly i think that's real i think my house is haunted so i think ghosts that's true. are real I, I do think that there's something along the lines of ghosts essentially but no I, i'm not afraid of it either. i think that you can't be afraid of anything that's inevitable right um yeah it's like being afraid of uh taxes Tax, yeah, taxes. Like I am afraid of taxes. They're hard to file. But no, it's true. It's um, it's it's a it's a weird topic to discuss, right? I mean, I think a lot of people get uh, eerily uncomfortable when you start talking about something like death. But at the same time, it's 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 an inevitable thing. Anything that's inevitable, why it's not? Fascinating too. Just to it's like... incredibly fascinating. I think it's the philosopher in me, though. I think that um, had I had I, could I go back to college and not get disowned by my parents, I would have been a philosophy major. It's fun. Uh, my teacher was he was good, but I don't know. If I had another teacher, I I just enjoy thinking about stuff that it's not hard to comprehend, but it's just it just really makes you try to grasp something that's really not there like we don't know what's after death we don't know a whole lot of stuff but just thinking about it just it's fun well i think that we give ourselves an opportunity for knowledge when you do think like that think out i don't want to say outside the box but think deeper into things that affect your day-to-day -day life like time nature Space. relationships the education that you're taking like there's so much that goes into it that it almost is like too much. I mean, but I do think it's important to dig into it because, well, you can constantly be evolving as a human. I mean, anytime that I have the opportunity to talk about 
time and the things that we're, we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes is that I am able to realize my own thoughts and opinions on things. I think sometimes we get shaped by the things that we read or try and understand, but then you start to actually talk through it and speak through it out loud. And you're like, wow, okay, I actually understand how I feel about this now. And I now understand how I will take this new knowledge and apply it to my life, which I think is crucial because a lot of times things aren't applied. They're just learned. I agree with that. And just us talking through what I, the question I brought up, I got a better understanding of what my position was and what I meant when I said it. Right. Well, that's such a philosophical thing is like you, you don't think about how you verbalize something until it's actually out there into the world. And I think it's one of those things like you can write a paper on philosophy, but if you don't read it back to yourself out loud, you might be like making a completely different, different point than you want to be making. No, that I had to write a couple of philosophy papers and, as I was writing it, I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I think it's right. And you really can't, you could be wrong with philosophy. Yes. But you really can't be wrong if you think about it. Cause as it's long just as all, you can back up your argument. Yeah. It's, it's all how you interpret it and what like sources you use to support your argument. But really whatever take you have is right. Cause it's, it's just inward thinking. It's just how you perceive what it is. Right. One of my, one of my favorite things about writing and philosophy is the fact that you don't necessarily have to agree with it, but you do have to appreciate it. You have to appreciate the time and effort that someone puts into that thought, into the points that they're trying to convey and everything along those lines. So like, I mean, not to pump my own tires or anything, but my, uh, I had a couple philosophy professors. We, so my, my school, our school did it pretty cool. Actually, you could either take two religious classes or two philosophy 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 classes so I, I elected to take two philosophy classes in college and in both of them the professor told me that I wrote like grad level philosophy papers because I was able to like look into that deeper realm of life and whatever and I think that that's something I can really appreciate I can really appreciate sitting down and understanding why the people the original philosophers like Socrates obviously uh Plato. Socrates, Plato, and um, why can't I think straight right now? Plato uh, and Socrates, Plato. I read him. I read him. Aristotle. Aristotle. Yeah. yeah. Why you can appreciate everything that they wrote and actually interpret it into a way that works in your life. Because if you don't, if if you just read it to read it because you're in a class, you're you're not actually pulling the information that you should be. And you, you have to digest it. Interpret it. You have to digest it and you have to apply it to your life. You have to see which one of these ideals that's being taught to you or you're learning about fits into your lifestyle and which ones you agree with and believe in. So for me, I, I have a weird fascination with Socrates. I think that he's brilliant. I think that he wrote some of the best philosophy I've ever read. And I'm able to then turn that into reading about other philosophers, more more modern philosophers who have the opportunity to take what he said and interpret it in a more modern view and start generating my own thoughts on it. There's this really, really amazing book and uh, I'm not going to do it any credit because I don't have it in front of me. Um, just absolutely brilliant, but um, I'll, have to, I'll leave it in the show notes or something. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave a link in the show notes. That just like was fascinating about Socrates. So um that's my philosophy spiel for the night. Did you? Yeah, dude, uh, I, I love talking about philosophy. Like uh, all through high school, 
I had this buddy and we just talk about just different ways to perceive yourself and how you can help others that way, just on how you intake the world and just we read all this stuff. It was pretty cool. Maybe I'll get into it off the show. Yeah, 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 for sure. Would you say that you gain um, more for yourself by giving to others than yes, you I do would say so. in giving to them? Wait, repeat. Wait, say so, that again. So would you say that you gain more for yourself by giving to others than what you're giving to them? Whether it be knowledge or a physical good? Like, do I... Do I feel so like, better? Let's say you give $5 to a homeless guy as you're walking down the street. Do you feel more fulfilled than him receiving $5 based on your gesture? Um, it just depends. Like that $5 is a due or say it's 20 bucks. That could change his entire week. Yes. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel very good that I can help him out, but that's not a, that, that could, I don't want to say, they could almost change his life. You know, say he decides to stop doing drugs and, you know, buy food and then it could help him a whole lot more, but it definitely makes you feel good. So I think you it just, just made him a drug it. addict. No, no, but I'm, I didn't say anything about drugs, man. It was just a hypothetical, <laughs> but I don't know. I think it depends on the uh, situation, but I, I don't know. If it's, I agree. I think that, but I do believe that anytime you do something, uh, to give back for a self-fulfilling uh, opportunity, opportunity, it's you're doing it for the wrong reason, um, and that's just a, that's a more recent thing I've looked into. But because I think I did a lot of, I did a lot of charity back in the day, and I like, gave back to the community and did a lot of community service. And every time I did it, I was doing it. Excuse me, I was doing it to feel some kind of self-fulfillment something that i can feel like i have done and can feel better about myself because i did it now I, that i look back I, i'm like i can't believe i was that way i wish i wasn't as much that way i did a lot of service too in high school like a ton but i never did it to make me feel better i did it because it would benefit the organization i was doing it for kids going there would be a whole lot better because of it than if it didn't happen. But I, it wasn't ever, it wasn't, I wasn't giving my service to make me feel better. I was doing it to help others, which then made me feel good about what, what I was doing. But it, I don't know if that makes sense, but it wasn't ever to like, to like make me feel better. Like, Oh, I've been a bad person. Let me do this. It's just cause it was the right thing to do. And I needed to do it. If that makes any sense. Right. No, that makes total sense. And I actually bring up, uh, we're running a little long, but that's fine. Um, we uh, we talk. You talk about giving back. There's something about you that I didn't bring up yet. You're an Eagle Scout. Yes. That that is something that is not just admirable, but really, really sick. How there's not that many people who can say that they're Eagle Scouts in the world, right? Uh, just all the astronauts that have been the, to the moon. Do you have to be an Eagle Scout to be an astronaut? No, it's just by happenstance they all were Eagle Scouts. Oh really? That's rad. But yeah. So what was what was that like? I mean, I yeah, that's that's what I was hitting at. Within the the Boy Scouts, um, there was this other organization which really make you which really made you self reflect and give back to others. And through that, that's where I, I don't know, definitely gave me a better perception of the world and how I can 
benefit others. But well, to become the eagle, to get your final eagle badge or eagle is that what it is eagle badge eagle? Uh, yeah, you call it rank. Eagle rank. To do that, you have to do a community service project. Right? Yes, you like do a large one. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, it has to be. It doesn't have to necessarily be large, but it has to be like beneficial. You got to do it all by yourself. You got to talk to the people, plan it out, get it approved, follow through with it, uh, get all the other people you need to help build it there, or uh, organized, and talk to people after. It's it's a it's a, a lot of work. It's a six six months to a year process, easily. Right. What was your uh, project? I built. Uh, oh man, six or six to eight benches. I can't remember now. Uh, it's, it's been a couple of years uh, for my local disc golf course. Uh, the one yeah. that Jacob built for his Eagle Scout project. It was actually a different one. This one was through a uh, uh, university of Lynchburg. They have a disc golf course and I built, uh, you know, I think it was six benches. They're about six feet long. It went to the ground. It was pretty cool. They're still there now, which is nice. Nice. Do you have to put any like name plaques on it or anything? Uh, I probably should have. I didn't, but um, I might go back and do that. That's it's probably, rad, man. probably a cool thing to do, so someone knows like what it was. Well, we've really been around the the block here. We've talked about yeah. everything, man. We went full circle for sure. We truly did. It always ends up being full circle. Nate, dude, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for having me. And, I've always uh, wanted to come on. Yeah, dude. We'll 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 have to get you Hopefully on again. I, uh, I uh, didn't drop the ball, and it was it was a good podcast. So. Dude, it was a great podcast. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug before you come off here? Uh, um, you host another show. You host a show, uh, the Nothing But Net podcast. That's right. Presented by Dorman Sports. You can look it up on Apple Podcasts. It's nothing with no G but net. I do it with a couple buddies from school. If you like NBA basketball, a little bit of college basketball, uh, that's probably your spot. We uh, joke around a lot. you guys do um, trampoline ball? No, we, we don't. We probably should, though. That's a pretty Have you ever seen that? I have, yeah. Dude, it's nutty. It is pretty insane. But, yeah, check it out if you want a couple laughs. We talk about some crazy debates. Uh, we're talking about the draft this weekend. So, thank you, Herb, for having me. Beauty. All right, brother. Take it easy, and uh, you know what to do. Stay group. What a – interview that was that was a lot of fun i had a i had an absolute blast and at the beginning i had stated that the post-show conversation would be about how i'm kind of terrified about this idea of white supremacy and the idea of nazis and you know scary scary like cult-like things taking back over and just their presence again happening in the united states of america is terrifying to me but you know what? I've had three days to now think on it, and that's not really what I want to talk about. We we are coming into this week, the week that is known as the week of Thanksgiving. I, I don't really have anywhere else to state it. Usually happens right around this time of year, uh, the last week of November, or last Thursday of November. It happens at the same time every year. And one of the things that happens on Thanksgiving is that in, in some families, not all, you go around the table and you, you tell people what you're thankful for. You, you talk about the things that you're thankful for in the year that you just had. And in the year 2020, I think that a lot of people can look at the negatives. I sure as hell do myself. It's been it's been a really rough year. There's been a lot of ups. There's been a lot of downs. There's been a lot of confusion, a lot of things that 
don't necessarily make sense. A lot of things that have changed lives for the rest of people's lives. I mean, I, I, in 22 years of living, never would have guessed that I would live through a global pandemic. Um, watch people that I love and really admire struggle to hold on to a job, struggle to hold on to the mental capacity and strength to really just want to wake up every day and feel eager to keep pushing forward. Because let's be real, the, the pandemic has pushed a lot of people into a really, really tough state of mind. And I, I think that it's important to talk through a few of the things that I'm incredibly thankful for this year. First things first is I think that in the year 2020, although we did battle with a pandemic and although we did battle with a lot of highs and lows, this has been a year that I've been mentally stronger than I have been in, in many. And I think that a lot of that is through perseverance. I think that a lot of that has to do with being able to battle through something like a pandemic where I graduated college in in probably one of the weirdest times you could possibly graduate from college. And it's really heavy. I think that a lot of my life was based around graduating from college, moving out of my parents' house, having a stable job. And I have most of those things, but I don't have all of them. And I think that at the beginning of the year, I really, really put a lot of emphasis on it. But I have recently taken some time to really think about it and think about all the things that I'm thankful for. And truly, I've had some really amazing people come into my life over these last few months and year that have really shown me how bright and beautiful life can be. And just because you're living in the middle of such an uncertain time doesn't necessarily mean that it has to control your life. So I am mentally stronger than I have been in a really long time. And that is something that I'm incredibly thankful for. The next one, it sounds cheesy, but I'm incredibly thankful for everybody who listens to this show every week. Uh, the people who showed me support and, um, you know, take take the things that I say on a podcast and bring them back to me to have a conversation about. Because I think oftentimes, and we all do this, we all search for some form of instant gratification in our lives, but I wouldn't consider this instant gratification. I think it's my opportunity to put my thoughts and opinions out into the world, and you guys are able to digest them and bring them back to me in a really, really interesting and thoughtful way that makes me incredibly happy. And the amount of joy and happiness that this podcast brings me each week is is truly like through the roof. I, I truly don't have words for it. It's something that I bring up in conversation all the time. And you guys really make me feel great. And um, you, you bring me a lot of energy and joy. So the few few months there in the middle where I wasn't able to do the podcast, it, it really was nice to come back and be welcomed with a big, big, uh, basically hug, bear hug from you guys. So th those are the two main things that I'm really, really thankful for this year. But having a job, that's obviously way up there. Having the ability to be able to continue to play sports and have fun and do the things in life that make me super happy are all things that I'm very thankful for this year. And as you sit around your Thanksgiving table on Thursday or Wednesday or whenever your family celebrates Thanksgiving, make sure to really allow yourself the opportunity to think about all of the positives and amazing things that came into your life in 2020, because although it was a really tough year for a lot, a lot of people, 
it was it, it's one of those years that you know you'll never forget and it gave you the opportunity to grow each and every day as a human being as a sibling as a partner as a son as a daughter uh however you identify yourself in this crazy crazy world we're living in right now you are stronger than you've ever been right now and you can only go up from here so it's an amazing feeling i think that we have a lot a lot a lot to be thankful for this year and thank you thank you so much for listening to anybody and everybody and continue to spread the love share Share anybody and everybody with your family because everybody has a story. Everybody has a voice. Some people just need an opportunity to put it out there. And I want to be that opportunity for you. So thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you all have an amazing Thanksgiving. I hope you all get to share some family time via Zoom if you're not traveling. And if you are traveling to loved ones, please, please, please stay safe. Make sure to wear your masks when you can. And I want to hear all about it. So send me stories, send me things to talk about, but I'm very thankful this Thanksgiving and we made it through a tough year guys. And the end is close. The end is close. 2021 is going to flip everything around and it's going to be an amazing, beautiful year full of happiness, smiles, and you know, no global pandemic, hopefully. So thank you guys so much for listening and stay grooving. I'll be back next week. Bye.